Good afternoon. My name is Neve Kinsler and you are listening to the College Views News Review podcast. Joining me this evening is Deputy News Editor Shauna Ledwidge and Chief Sub-Editor Ruth Delaney. Coming up in this episode, we'll be talking a lot about the government's announcement from Tuesday and how there is a huge need for more female representation in broadcast media. But up first, what's happening at home and abroad? Root's going to bring us through the latest updates on COVID-19 restrictions in Ireland and elsewhere. Thank you, Neve. So this piece just examines uh, what's happening here in Ireland and overseas. So Shauna Burgess gives us a great insight uh, just under about five subheadings. So the first one touches on something that's been all over the news this week about the, our current vaccine rollout plan. So the government have rejigged this slightly so that the high risk people between the age group of 16 and 69 are moving up the queue. So that means currently over 70s are going to be vaccinated now, beginning at the over 85 age group and then moving down the plan. Then Shauna touches on our new Living With COVID plan that was released last Friday, which means we'll be in full level five restrictions until the 5th of April. And the government will then further review depending on how our cases are. Due to new variants, this is all a bit up in the air as well. And I think there was a lot of kind of hysteria and panic about it last week, especially in comparison to Boris Johnson's four phase reopening plan. But we're going to touch on that in a few minutes. And then Shauna Bird has touched on education. So up to 330,000 students are due to return to school this coming Monday, which is the 1st of March. This means junior, senior, first and second class primary school students will be back on Monday. And then the only secondary school students will be leaving cert. Then on the 15th of March, which is two weeks from that date, fifth years and all other primary school students will be returning and all other secondary school students will be returning on the 12th of April. And then on the 9th of June, Norma Foley announced that the traditional Leaving Cert exam is due to begin. But there are options if students would rather get predicted grades or they can kind of do a hybrid exam. So if they'd like to sit some subjects and then get predicted grades for other subjects. But again, bearing in mind, this is all subject to public health approval as the weeks go on. Then Shauna touches on third level, which is continuing online. DCU students received an email about this a few weeks ago saying that semester two will all be continued online. So any optimism from semester one is slowly but surely dying that we'll be returning on campus. And then finally, we look at the international picture. So on the 23rd of February, President Biden announced that the death toll of COVID-19 has passed half a million, which is the highest in any country. And this means that there have been more deaths from COVID in the USA from World War One, World War Two, and the Vietnam War combined, which is a really scary figure, I think. And then just as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we touched on Boris Johnson's plan. He's planning to ease all COVID restrictions on June 21st, but it's starting in a four phase plan in March. So I think you know, nothing really new from our government this week, I'm afraid. I think we all kind of knew what was happening. What do you think, guys? Yeah, when, before the announcement was made, I was kind of optimistic thinking, oh, is there going to be some new information? It was kind of, I think there was, yeah. like, there was nearly like a hype over the announcement that I made it sound like there was going to be some new information, but it was just all about the skills, everything that we knew. We all knew it, so there was nothing new or surprising. Like, Yeah, yeah. I think there's a, there's a little bit of a kick in the teeth as well, looking at England, I mean... I suppose our government is probably going on more data rather than dates in comparison to the UK. But it's still, we can't help but feel a little bit disheartened, I suppose. It would be yeah. nice to have kind of something to look forward to, I suppose, like a date set in mind that we could all kind of like absolutely, Absolutely. Like, I mean, June 21st, that's the date they're heading towards. I mean, once all goes to plan. But 
I know when that was announced last week, I almost wanted to mute June 21st on Twitter. The amount of just hype and happiness around. I mean, I'm delighted for them. And I mean, I suppose it's good to know that there's an end in sight. But over here, it's just, oh, like, give us something, you know. I know. Like, obviously, it's it's optimistic to have the beginning of the end, I guess, of all of this yeah. insight for us. With the beginning of the easing of restrictions in April, hopefully. I think the biggest factor in the announcement was getting younger children back to school and leaving their students back to school. However, I think a big question I've been thinking about lately a lot, and I don't know why it's kind of just on my mind, is getting leaving their six-year students back to school now really going to do much benefit? From right now, I think it's just under 15 weeks until the exams are due to begin. And they yeah. still have to do mock orals and exams, prep, their real orals. And is this actually going to benefit them? I don't think so. I think it's a little bit too late, if I'm honest, which my brother is due to sit to leave and sir, and I just know his head's a mess. He doesn't know what to do. I think he was saying he's going to sit three or four of them and then get predicted for the other ones because he was saying, and I know from talking to some of his friends like as well, they were saying they just feel totally unprepared and they're not doing mocks or anything. I know a lot of schools have said that mocks aren't necessary, but my brother Sean was saying he'd actually rather just do them just to see where he's at because he has no idea what stage or standard he's at so he was saying there's no way even for the teachers to judge because they like realistically speaking they haven't done any proper tests since the middle of fifth year I know they're back just before Christmas for a little bit but I don't think it's enough to to make up for the for the loss they've suffered really oh yeah completely I don't know how it's gonna really turn out for them I have a cousin who was out for four months of fifth year due to like a medical illness that was not her fault at all if she has these pains in her stomach all the time and she just couldn't go into school because of it so if she, if she does she's going to have to go with predicted grades she hasn't learned enough to do the exams and her yeah. predicted grades are going to be going off maybe two or three tests she's done in school and that's going to be deciding what college she gets into for her future like it's not enough to judge at all my um my uncle is a secondary school teacher down in Mayo and he was saying he's like he's trying to urge his students to go in and sit the exam because he was like, I think it'll probably give them a better chance and show not show that they're interested, but show that they that they want to give it give it a go. But he was saying again, like, I don't think they're going to have the leniency like that they did last year, because last year, obviously, they thought that would be a one off. But he was like, if we have to give predicted grades a second time, he was like, I don't think we'll be able to be as nice, mm. especially because the students have the option to go in, which is kind of scary, you know? Yeah, yeah, completely. It's. And I kind of just feel bad for them because 50 years from last year, right now, they would have had a year and a half of their leave insert online. And it doesn't really represent how they would have actually performed in school. No, not at all. They can't predict that. And I just don't know what way it's going to turn out for them. I feel really bad for them. Same, I feel terrible for them. I don't know what I would do in that situation because I keep saying, he keeps saying, what would you do? My brother at home, he keeps saying, what would you do? What would you do? And I'm like, I genuinely don't know because the leave insert was so stressful in normal terms anyway. So I can't even imagine how they're feeling on top of all this, you know? Yeah, yeah. Obviously a big thing we all saw again was how third level college students like ourselves have been fully neglected in the announcement once again. Not surprising and I shouldn't be laughing, but I am. (laughs) You don't laugh, you'll cry, Neve. <laughs> I know, I know, exactly. And with really no help from the government, universities have been left to make their own decisions about on-campus teaching and whether to bring students back or not. We know DCU are obviously continuing all remote learning until the end of the semester, but 
what about other colleges? I know that Trinity, Trinity College in Dublin have announced that they're going to be continuing online and they were saying even next year as well, which I think is almost a bit too soon. I just feel like I think if this if the pandemic has taught us anything, is that not uncertain? And I know they're probably trying to plan ahead, but at the same time, like we don't know where we could be in September. So I think to tell students already that, oh, next year is going to be online, I think it might be a little too early to judge. But then again, I mean, I don't know, like they've probably they've probably done their research, but I know UCD is the same. I have friends that go there and they've been told they're going to be all online for the rest of the semester. So I don't think um, as far as I know, I don't know many college students that are going to be returning to campus anytime soon. Have you two heard anything or? No, it's kind of pretty much the same information. I've kind of just been focused on as you see, obviously to do with us. Yeah, yeah. I know myself, the SU elections are coming up and people have been nominated themselves. And I always kind of had a vision that I would love to run for one of the positions, but in the back of my mind, it was, what if next year it's all online? Yeah. And it yeah. kind of put me off. And I think it's putting people off a lot. So even like you're saying, Trinity telling their students that next year is going to be fully online. That's, it really doesn't help. I know that wouldn't motivate me at all. I think last year when we had the kind of, vision in our heads that maybe we might be online even we thought we were going to be on campus every second week that was it kind of pushed me a bit I think and I was like look I'm just I'm going to get through this and we'll be back on campus soon and Trinity Trinity to say that to their students it's really completely completely as Um, you were saying it's like because we had that like every that day every two weeks it did kind of give you the push it was like okay if I have to deal with all this online at least I know I'll be going in I'll be getting up getting you know like a bit of routine a bit of structure but again it's just um I feel like we've just been left in the dark so much I can't help but feeling a little bit better (laughs) oh yeah yeah completely I oh I don't even know at this point I think I've said everything as it states in the article um and as everyone who has a phone knows by now the United Kingdom plans to be fully out of lockdown by June 21st, as you were saying when you were explaining the article. Um, when reading this, it was such a kind of kick in the face to me personally. It gets people thinking, what are we in Ireland doing wrong? We're complying to all the restrictions. And yet the UK, with a population of nearly 67 million compared to 5 million in Ireland, are ahead of us. Do you like want to maybe explain as to why that is for your listeners, if you know? because I've seen so much confusion online. Some people taking it as we will also be out of lockdown when that is completely not the case. No, as we've said, it's really disheartening, but I think I just, the UK's health system and vaccine plan is just one step ahead of ours, unfortunately, and we just don't have the supplies or the amenities yet, which is, again, I mean, they've had time to organise it, but um, there's no excuse really. But I think a lot of people, um, there was a salon, shut down during the week I don't know if you saw that for they just yeah. reopened yeah. and I know there was um god I can't remember his name but there was a restaurant owner he tweeted and his his tweet blew up he was saying right on July I'm opening the government have until then to sort it out I don't care I'll be open for indoor dining then and loads of people were saying fair play I'm doing the same I'm doing the same and I mean I, you can't help but un- understand where these people are coming from because I mean it's just been a year of total disaster for businesses but at the same time it's like we we do have to be all in this together and push ourselves so again I think if the government maybe did give a date like I know we've the 5th of April that that restrictions are going to be easing but to what extent that could be the five kilometer 
um, distance from your home. It could be non-essential retail, probably not. Who knows? I mean, again, it's just, it's it's all very unclear, I think. Yeah, it I is. Think it's so, like, it's, I just don't understand how we are predicting that, like, the population won't have access to a vaccine until, like, autumn, winter time. But yet, yeah. the UK, as you said, who have 67 million people, are predicting that by summer everyone's going to have access to a vaccination same with uh, America they have a population of over 300 million so it's like how are we as such a small country not able to vaccinate people sooner I know know? and Denmark have the same population as us and they've given a date June 27th that they'll all that their whole population will be vaccinated and a lot that like there was um quite a bit of uproar on Twitter on that as well when that was announced last week because I think a lot of Irish people are saying, well, we've the exact same size. We should have the same kind of date in set in mind. But again, it's just I just feel like the government are almost trying to not cover themselves, but just push it off. Because I know the government were saying that the plan is to try and vaccinate 100,000 this week. But again, which is great. But again, I think they only vaccinated something close to 6,000 on Monday. It's just it's just not good enough. Yeah. Yesterday, the amount of vaccines that the United Kingdom rolled out was in one day, the same as the total we have done all together, which oh, it's I, such I, a it's punch just, in the goal, isn't it? Yeah, it completely it really is. is. I did the the guesser online where it tells you roughly maybe when you're going to get your vaccine. Oh, and my, yeah. my date was between October this year and April 2022. Oh, no, I'm actually afraid to look. I'm scared to track I'm, it. I'm scared. I know. But I think, um, and as well, like you can't even that date isn't even solid because I know my great auntie, she's 84 and she was due to get vaccinated last week by her GP yeah. um, last Wednesday, but her GP rang around the Monday and said, sorry, I don't have a vaccine for you yet. So she basically said, I'll get in touch when I have one. And it's just like, if you can't even vaccinate an 84 year old, what, like we're going to be waiting. Yeah. Months. Well, they're saying like each week, you know, they're vaccinating this amount of people each week on Tuesday, I was on DCU campus outside the Helix, ready to cover, cover a story about the vaccinations in the Helix. Mm-hmm. The Helix was closed because they only vaccinate people there every two weeks because they don't have the supply to vaccinate people. That's madness. And as well, you know, with Denmark, they are getting the, the vaccination from the same EU fund that we are. So how are they being supplied with more and we're not? Like, it doesn't make any sense doesn't and our system as well I just don't think we can keep up that's I just they're only they're only recruiting people now to actually carry out the vaccination so but as well I feel like pulling my hair out when I hear stuff like that because it's like you've had a year it's it's been a year it's coming up on a year now and I know I know vaccines were only developed like some time ago like you know um just for Christmas but at the same time like the government I think should have been prepared for this they should have said right as soon as we get as soon as we get our vaccine supplies it should be just go 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 get them out but as well it just feels like they're kind of almost wasting time I can't help but feel that way I know it's just I don't even know how to feel anymore about it immune to anything now at this stage yeah 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 Yeah, not surprised by anything that happens and as well in the doll there during the week they didn't pass the bill to implement mandatory quarantine I don't know if you saw that uh the late Labour brought it in the bill in and uh Fianna Fáil Fianna Gael and the Greens voted against it just like like why they're, think- why? they're, fully, the thinking, they're fully thinking economical rather than their society like completely 
I know. And as like as we've already said, it's just so it's just slap in the face to anybody, like, you know, to the thousands of people who have been following this, who haven't been seeing friends, who haven't been seeing family, who haven't been leaving. And then you've people flying in from God knows where, bringing whatever variants in. And that's what they keep saying. They're, they keep saying they're nervous about the different kind of variants coming in. You're saying, OK, then in, enforce the mandatory quarantine. What else is there to do? Yeah. Well, actually, they detected the uh, UK variant yesterday. Yeah, um, the person has it. Um, so it would make sense, like even after that, and they found out that it, they, it still didn't push them to make uh, quarantining mandatory if, when you're arriving from a different country. It's just so unfair, isn't it? It just really is. There's no other way to put it. It's just so frustrating. Yeah, it is completely. So thank you so much for your article. Very, very interesting and a lot of insight into that just big problem I think that everyone has an opinion on and um, we're going to go to Shauna now if you want to explain what your article is all about and another big problem I think in Ireland right now. Yeah so basically an advocacy group called Women on Air um, is proposing that the government introduce gender quotas to increase the level of women on Irish air after a DC study found that just 28 percent of the voices that we hear on radio are female. So Women on Air released a statement and in it they said that women consume and pay for publicly funded media the same way that men do. Um, and as women, you know, we're all entitled to having our concerns, our voices and our views heard on Irish media. In the statement, they go on to say that seeing is believing and if women hear more of their own gender on the airwaves, it will encourage more to follow suit. So the study was carried out by DC lecturers Katie Walsh, Jane Souter and Orla O'Connor and they found that voices on almost all Irish radio stations were disproportionately male. News talk was the worst for female representation, only 18% of voices heard are female. Uh, RTE Radio 1 was the best with 37% of female voices heard but you know it's still not enough. Um, and women are more likely to cover soft news topics, they're less likely to be heard covering politics, sport, war and technology. We all know it is a big problem and I think my first thought reading this was, was there like any proportionality given to the number of males versus females actually studying journalism and in the field of journalism? Like is the number of male broadcasters larger than the number of females because there are more male journalists than female journalists? You know I think it's fair to say that there is a gender imbalance in Irish media um, and we do hear more male broadcasters than we do female and I think one is just because there are more male broadcasters on air but I don't necessarily think it's because there's less female journalists I think there's plenty of female journalists out there but they're just not given the same opportunities as men in the industry and according to that study as well like women struggle to make up even a third of media professionals and radio is the least inclusive of women and actually, I think when women are given the same opportunities as male journalists were criticized, like, for example, last year for TG Cahar, they announced that they were going to have their first all-female broadcast team for like a sports game. And there was comments made about that on social media and people were questioning like, oh, they only got this job because they're women. So when we do go out there and we cover a section of news that is usually given to male reporters, our abilities are questioned in a way that it just isn't for men. Yeah, it is. It's just, it's silly at this stage in the day and age, really, that we're in, that that's still a thing. Like, the three of us three in journalism, the majority of our course, there's 38 people in our course, the majority of our course is females. And what, we're going to go out and 
over half of us maybe a third of us will get a job yeah it's very daunting and I think as well um women in media do get criticized for maybe you know being pushy or like they might come across as like speaking louder like being bossy but I don't know if you remember and um, for our radio reporting module we had a guest speaker and her name was Barbara Scully she's a freelance journalist and she was saying that nobody if you you could be if she goes on a panel she was like nine times out of ten I'm the only woman and she was like over time you realize that nobody's going to say oh what's your opinion or do you want to interject here she was saying you just have to speak up and learn that that's okay that she, and she was like unfortunately it does come across a lot of the time that oh this woman's pushy she's like she's dying to get her voice heard but she was like that's the reality of it you have to just interject and not be afraid to be heard and it is I think disheartening as well and as you were saying for girls growing up who want to go into the industry like you you have to be the example that you want to see because I even know from growing up like we always have the radio on at home and it's like only every now and then you might hear a female voice and you kind of think oh you know there, there's one but like it like as you were saying like so often or not it's male and then they're covering the the harder stories it's just a kick in the face like I know it's a big problem in journalism as as it's stated in the study but are there any other professions in Ireland say that have compulsory quotas for the amount of females that they have in the industry I think it's quite mad that like in the 21st century in Ireland they have to revert to this in order to give women an equal chance as men so like there's gender imbalance in, in most professions, um, as we know, and most professions do benefit male employees more than they do female employees. Um, and what a gender quota does is that it sets aside a specific percentage of leadership positions for female employees. Um, and to your question there, you know, are there other professions where quotas needed uh, are needed to ensure equality in the workplace? For any sort of uh, career in the business field or an economic career or a scientific career, where it's usually male dominated, gender quotas are set in place in certain companies to ensure that women like don't miss out on any opportunities. But there's also a lot of controversy around gender quotas um, because you know while they are effective in fixing uh, imbalances within the workplace, they're also quite controversial. And opponents of gender quotas have argued that they're kind of unfair because sometimes it means that the best and most qualified person doesn't get a certain position so I think it depends on how you feel about them um, but it, it isn't just the media industry that requires them unfortunately. Yeah I think we just we do need a solution to it and I don't know why it isn't more simple to just be equal and like treat women equally and not not employ them because they're women and I know in the back of a lot of employers minds and they're not supposed to do this but a lot still do you know if I employ this woman they're going to go on maternity leave at some stage and then I'm going to have to employ someone else for the time being and they just employ a man instead and I know they're not supposed to do that but it's definitely still a factor like you do still hear about it happening Um, I think a good way to look at a solution for this in time maybe personally my own opinion would be maybe emulate a country that has a successful gender ratio in their broadcast news and however saying that are there any countries that do have equal or almost men and women in the broadcast media? I don't think there's any countries that have equal or even almost equal numbers of men and women in broadcast media but different news organizations are starting to put more female voices on air 
and on television, or at least, you know, they're trying to. Like in America, for example, major TV networks like CBS, ABC and CNN, I think it was announced last year after the US election that women were going to be leading coverage of the White House. So that's like three or four major networks where White House correspondents are all female. And the BBC is also trying to tackle gender representation by rethinking who they put in front of the camera um, to present the news. And they have a goal of achieving a 50-50 gender representation every month. So it's good to see that news organizations are trying to represent women more and they're giving them more important roles, but more needs to be done before we're at a level of equality. Yeah, completely, completely. And it's going to affect, you know, the three of us, if the three of us do want to still go into the journalism sector after graduating, it's going to affect us and all the other girls in our course. It's daunting. And I mean, if we have to do something about it, we will. But I want to just keep working towards that and get people working towards it and the likes of this study will help and other studies alike in future will hopefully help and we will get there and you know we'll have equal chance of getting a job hopefully (laughs) yeah Uh, so thank you so much for your article there Shauna and thank you for your articles Ruth as well and thank you for buddies for being a part of today's podcast I hope our listeners enjoyed this episode of the College Views News Review podcast And you can follow us on Twitter or Facebook at The College View for regular updates. And I hope you tune in next time. That's all from me, Neve Kinsler. Thank you.